in the name of Jesus. I'm so happy you were able to join with us this morning. I just want to take a moment to, let's just open with a word of prayer before we get into the scriptures that the Lord has laid out in my heart. Let's just invite him to continue to prepare minds and hearts to receive his word, that his word would fall on fertile soil. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you now in Jesus' mighty name. We ask, Father God, that you prepare our minds and hearts to receive your word, that you would work in us, Father God, and that we could hear and apply your word to our life. Let your spirit, Father God, move in and out of our, 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 our homes, in this church, and everywhere that we are, that your presence would be also. We pray these things according to your will, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you and receive it. Amen and amen. The title of today's message is Neighbors. There's a lot going on in this world today. There's much evil running rampant. People are turning against other people, and it's not to be tolerated. I want to talk to you about what the Word of God says, how we should be conducting ourselves in regards to those things. Yes, there's differences among us, and those differences aren't there to push each other away, but so that we can fit together as a puzzle. If you have a puzzle with all the same pieces, it's no longer a puzzle. You just have a box of pieces. However, the Lord has created us uniquely, uh, wonderfully, and I'm going to get into that today. But let me start in Genesis 1.27. So God created man. Right off the bat, lesson number one. We didn't come through the process of evolution, but God created us. In His own image, in the image of God, Created he him, male and female. So we got two more lessons. Not only did God created us, he created us in his image, and it says male and female, he created them. There's no other forms, no other things, just male and female. That's it. God created Adam and Eve. And here's the interesting thing that I want to point out is this, this very fact. God spoke into existence all other creation, but man he took and formed from the dust of the ground, and he breathed his own breath into man. We are created in his image. We are eternal beings that can communicate with the Father in such a way that we have fellowship. God created man in his own likeness, his own image. Whether you're black, white, Hispanic, or Asian, you are created in God's image. You are created in His likeness. He made us, mankind, the human race. Yes, there's different ethnicities, cultures, and backgrounds, but we are all created by God in the image of God. When we lose track and focus of that, we start to look at each other in a different light. We start to look at each other uh, for our differences and not our similarities. It doesn't matter your race, your culture, or your class. Those things should not exist in the church. Race, culture, and class should not. We are all created equal by God. We have different skills, we have different talents, we have different abilities. We even have different education levels and awareness levels. But a body has many parts, and we come together as, as, as God's church, His body, the body of Christ. Again, I'm going to reiterate time and time again throughout this message that race, culture, and class have no business in 
the church. We shouldn't look at each other because someone's more educated, or they have more money, or they have a higher position in a company or an organization, or because they're this race or that race. No one should be treated any differently based on race, culture, or class. Oftentimes, we will refer ourselves <clears throat> and identify ourselves as something. Uh, we might say that I am a Puerto Rican-American. The, the adjective describes the latter. And if, if, if I'm not careful, if Puerto Rican comes first and American comes second, now I'm going to change my Americanness because the adjective modifies the noun. I'm going to change my Americanness to, to cater to, I have to be like this over here. The fact of the matter is that's the backwards way. I can't say that I'm a Puerto Rican Christian. I'm either an American, period, or a Christian, period. Technically speaking, yes, obviously, you know, I come from uh, uh, Spanish descent. Yes, that is a part of who I am. Yes, that is there. However, the fact of the matter is, I am a Christian first and foremost, above all else, I am a child of the living God. I was created in His likeness, and everyone else who's in the church are my brothers and sisters. And everyone else that's in the world are potential brothers and sisters. God created them also. Not only did He create them, David says in Psalms 139, You made me, he's talking to God the Father, and David's having this conversation, You made all my delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. There's some interesting points in there. There's great care and detail given to the creation of man. And, and, and David is expressing that his acknowledgement of that to, the, to our Heavenly Father. From conception to grave, God has created us. He has a plan and a purpose. Great care went into that. And we read in Jeremiah 29.11 that uh, He has a plan and a purpose. You are made on purpose for a purpose. Every person has a role to play, a part to play, and should be valued as a, a brother, a sister in the Lord. I, I think about the scriptures where Paul is talking to Timothy and then Titus and the advice was to both of them. You know, you treat everyone as a brother or sister, a father, a mother, an aunt, an uncle. They are family. Not just in the church, outside of the church. And we're trying to graft them in and bring them into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But we got to care enough to reach out to them. Reach beyond race, culture, and class. We've got to reach beyond those things. Jesus gave many examples of doing that. I'll break that down more on Wednesday nights and the different examples that he's given us. But today I just want to share with you what the Word of God says about who we are from the perspective of God. Because his ways are higher than our ways. Yes. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. We can't conceive the mind of man, but the things that he has prepared for us are greater than we could ever ask or imagine. Not just for you, but the person across the aisle from you, the person across the street from you, the person on the other side of the tracks. God has a plan, a purpose for them as well. He doesn't love you any, any differently, anymore. It says, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, whoever calls upon him. 
the world. He loved us. Yet while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. That is his love that he has for us all. So that none are righteous, no, not one. We all have a need for a Savior. You were born on purpose for a purpose. Life is precious. Every life. Every life. Young or old, black or white, Asian, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. Rich or poor, educated, uneducated, we are all precious in the sight of God. And therefore, we've got to learn to treat each other that way as well. We've got to learn to honor one another. Amen. We've got to uh, accept differences, but come together on what we agree on. And hopefully, we can agree on the Word of God. These scriptures that I'm sharing with you about who He says we are, about His plan and purpose for our life, about the things that He wants for us. He's got a plan and purpose for you, and he's got a plan and purpose for the other person. Now, here's the thing. we got to remember that plan and that purpose. He's got a plan and purpose for that baby in the womb. He's got a plan and purpose for that, that elderly person who's still drawing breath but doesn't have the strength that they used to have. If you're still drawing breath, God has a plan and purpose for your life. You're here for such a time as this. Your job is not done. Your ministry is not done. It's not over yet. You still have something to offer. Yes. You still can pray a mighty prayer. You can still worship. And that is your weapon, is your worship. Worship Him. Praise through it and rise above it. I tell you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. The Lord expresses some of this. And I found these, the, these verses recorded in Matthew and it's recorded in Luke. And it says that an expert of the law, meaning the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, often looked at as the Pentateuch, and in the, there's an expert of the law. He's a religious Jewish person comes to Jesus, and he says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus asks, he bounces the question back to him, and he says this, uh, let me read it. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two things, on these two commandments. What that law and the prophets means, that was their existing Bible then. The existing Bible uh, of that time are made up of the first five books, or the, uh, the Torah, the law, and the rest of the books at that time, those are called the prophets. So he's saying all of the Bible that we have today hang on these two things. Love the Lord your God with everything in you, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now here's an interesting thing with this Jewish expert of the law. He wants to justify his own racism. He wants to justify himself, and he asks this question, Well, who is my neighbor? See, he wants to be okay with just sticking with his own group. He wants to be okay with saying, us four and no more. He wants to be okay just saying, I'm with my, my people. And Jesus goes on to tell this story. This story is recorded in a, in a couple books, but I, I encourage you, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10, and it's starting at verse 25. If you go to Luke 10, uh, go to 25, it goes on to do this, and then uh, Jesus tells this story. There's a man coming down 
from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went, and he bandaged his wound, pouring oil on, and wine on them to help him. Then he put the man on his own donkey, he took him to an inn, and took care of him, of him in that place. And the next day he took out two silver coins, and uh, the original language is two denarius, which means two days' wages. And he gave them to the innkeeper, and he says, look after him, and when I return, I'll give you, if you, owe, if you do more, I'll reimburse you the rest of it, the expense. Before I go on with that, I want to just stop for a moment and say, it was a priest, that in, in today's um, vernacular, it was a pastor who saw him, this injustice that happened, and refused to act. I am challenged by pastors today who don't take on the hard messages. And, and I'm challenged at the ones that will speak things but fail to act. If pastors spoke about morality and politics from days of old, we wouldn't be facing the things that we're facing today, the evil that is prevalent today. If pastors would address this, the, the indifferences and racism that's in the world, we wouldn't have it like we do today. We, churches wouldn't be segregated. We would just be the family of God, the body of Christ. And some of you are, are being challenged right now. I feel it in the spirit. But just go to God's word, and we'll see it. And, and tune in on Wednesday nights, and I'm going to break this down for you. But the fact of the matter remains that when we are the family of God, we may have different worship styles, but it's the one same God. We are the one same family. So here this is. We have this pastor who walked by and didn't do it. And then a Levite. Levites were servants in the temple, and they did the sacrifices. So we have a pastor and an elder, a worker in the church, who passed by and left this guy there. And chances are, the guy's getting ready to die. And then the Samaritans. Let me give you just a brief history on the Samaritans. When uh, Israel was conquered and, and by Assyria, and they were the Jews were taken away, and we read those stories about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the young Jewish guys who were exiled. But Assyria also sent Assyrians to live in Jerusalem. And what happened is they began to intermarry. And the Jewish people didn't like that. That wasn't their custom. You didn't do that. So the, the Samaritans were a half-breed between Jews and uh, Samaritan people, or Assyrians, excuse me, and then they became uh, Samaritans. That's what's going on here. So there's someone that they didn't like. Matter of fact, in that time, the Jews referred to the Samaritans as dogs. We read that later in Scripture when a Samaritan woman come to ask Jesus for healing, and he referred to her in that vernacular, but because of her worship, because of her honor, he honored and blessed her with a healing. So going back to this, this Samaritan, according to the Jews, this dog, this half-breed, this outcast, clearly a different race, clearly a different culture, clearly a different class, comes and looks upon this person and takes care of him. 
dresses his wound, comes out of his own pocket, put him in his own car, his donkey, dressed him with his own stuff, his own oil and wine to, to, to purify the wound and bring some healing to it, put him up in a hotel or hospital, if you will, paid the medical bills, all the things. This person that was perceived to be less than, lower than, did the above and beyond, even what the pastor and the elder did, the, the, the priest and the Levite. He went above and beyond. So then Jesus goes on and he concludes this story, and he asks this, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who was robbed? And the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And then this is Jesus' instruction to him. Go and do likewise. Meaning go, help the other person. Love the other person. And that shows love and care. That mercy, oftentimes when you find mercy in Scripture, you can put an equal sign and have love. Love and mercy are inter interchangeable. It took love and compassion for him to help that guy. Because here's the thing. If he got jumped, how do I know I'm not going to get jumped? I'm in the same area. I'm in the same spot. I can't say, well, I'm not going to stop here and help him because this is a bad neighborhood. And if I, if I stop and help him in this bad neighborhood, I might fall into that trap as well. Well, here's my question to you. Where's your faith in your God? If the God prompts you to do that, I'm not telling you to be foolish. What I'm saying is, God said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Amen. It says that he is going to help you with his mighty strong arm. He says he gives his angels charge over you. If the Lord prompts you to do it, then do it. Now, if the Lord doesn't, use good judgment. Getting back to this story, the Samaritan that helped him out. He was a different race. He was a different culture. He was a different class. But it didn't matter to him because he had love. Love can bridge all those things. Compassion can bridge all those things. Mercy can bridge all those things. But here's the thing. We fall into stereotypes. We fall into this trap of comparing people and we, we have a, a, a checklist in our head, good, bad, or otherwise, based on stereotypes. The Jews had a stereotype of the Samaritans. And that's why there, there was this conflict. But Jesus is telling them, he loved him. He is your neighbor. Bridge that gap. Amen. If we are to love our neighbors, what does that look like? And I just want to tell you what uh, Scripture says. Scripture says, God is love. But it goes on to explain what love is. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4, he goes on and says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. How many arguments have we gotten into with other people because we are defending a race, culture, or class that really doesn't matter? Oh, Pastor, you're saying I can't be proud of my heritage? Yes, absolutely you can. Doesn't mean you're better than anyone else. Pride is one of the original sins. It does not dishonor others. That's love. We are called to love our neighbors, and love says you don't dishonor someone else. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Here's the thing. Somebody from a different culture, race, or class has done you wrong. 
It doesn't mean that the rest of the people you can encounter of that race, culture, and class are that same way. Let me, let me tell you this right now. There are jerks in this world. Based on their conduct and their character, they are, I'm trying to wash my mouth, they are jerks. And that is them. As a person, as an individual. You can't lump the whole group into that class. Keeps no record of wrong. They may have done you wrong, watch out for them. Doesn't mean everyone else does. And don't carry that, that offense with you the rest of your life. That offense is going to eat away at you. Love does not delight evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Here's my, here's where I want to take you right now. Prejudice and stereotypes of any form or fashion are not to be tolerated or winked at or looked at lightly. This is why. There are some that are, that are kind of funny or cute and, 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 and we can all just laugh about it. You know, I'm reminded of a movie that came out years ago and it was uh, with Woody Harrelson, her, Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes. And the story was, the movie is called White Men Can't Jump. It was a comedy, but they hit every stereotype in that movie and made them all look ridiculous. In the beginning, the white guy tried to dunk and he couldn't dunk. By the end, he did dunk at least once. He's married to or had a girlfriend who was a crazy, loud, passionate Puerto Rican girl. And then he's, his friend is this black guy who, uh, you know, that they are doing this basketball hustle. They hit every stereotype of that movie and they blew it all out of the water and saying none of that matters. But they did it in, com in a comedic way. What I'm saying to you today is we can say, we can joke about uh, little things like that and think that it's funny. But here's the thing. Stereotyping isn't funny. There may be proof that some of that exists, but it, you can't put it on the whole. You can't say every Puerto Rican loves rice. I do, but you can't say that all. Matter of fact, I was in Puerto Rico and I was at a family's house. My aunt made a big pot of rice. I'm like loving it. It smells so good. I'm ready to hop in. And I look at my cousin, Anaini, and says, Hey, you look at so No! I have that every day. I'm tired of it. She had a bologna sandwich. She, she was tired of it. She didn't want it. She didn't like it anymore. I, it boggled my mind. You can't stereotype people. There may be some evidences that might help you uh, or make you think that you can, but you can't. And here's the thing. If you're stereotyping now, do they have permission to stereotype you back? It's a dangerous, dangerous trap. We can't wink at it. We can't wink at it. Oh, they don't have rhythm. They, oh, that's cute. But what if they say something that's a stereotype back? That's a trap we can't get in. We can't tolerate it. We can't wink at it because it gives permission to continue that. To continue to look at people for a detriment or a fault that they may have. 
That's not how we're to look at people. We're not to make light of these things. Some of those things, I get it, it might be funny. I've been there and done that myself. But the fact of the matter remains, we got to look at each other for not the negative attributes that may or may not be, but we got to look at the positive common ground that we have together. And first and foremost, for us in the church, is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can't joke about that stuff. You can't wink at it. You can assess and make a determination about a person based on their individual conduct and character, but it's not representative of their whole culture, class, or race. And this is an interesting verse that in Luke 6, verse 27, Jesus tells us to love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Some of you right now can be saying, all right, no, no, they, you don't understand, Pastor, what they did to me, and this and that, and you have a whole list of reasons why you shouldn't, but I'm going to give you the Word of God that says you should. That, that group, that, those people that you have a problem with right now, are you praying for them? Are you loving them? Because God told you to. It's not Pastor Felix telling you to. I'm sharing the scripture with you. I told you where to find it. Luke 6, 27. Go read it for yourself. It's right there. Matter of fact, I'll just take a moment. I'm going to flip there. It's not far. That address isn't far from where we're reading right now. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Ooh, that's hard. Bless those who curse you. Bless them. Pray for those who mistreat you. If more people started living by God's word, we would soon put an end to this racism. If pastors preach it, more than preach it, if they act on it. If there are systems, I, I do believe there are systems and, and people in place who want to divide us so that they can control us. They're pitting... Uh, race against race. And we, we read that in Matthew 24. It says nation will rise up against nation. Races, ethnicities will, will be fighting against each other. It's, uh, the strategy that they're using is called power and pivot. It's order out of chaos. They're going to create the chaos. They're going to whip it up so much. Black against white, uh, Hispanic against Asian, uh, male against female, educated against uneducated, poor against the rich, and rich against the poor. We see that in the process and all the things that are going on. It's going to be whipped up so much, prepare yourself, that this is going to usher in the scene where the Antichrist comes in, and he's going to be called the man of peace. It's going to happen. It's happening now. I believe we have a foot. We've stepped into the end times things. We are seeing the beginnings of birth pains. I talked about that with the signs of the times. But I'm going to tell you, don't be a participant. Let the Lord see your conduct, your love, and your behavior as such that's honoring and pleasing to him we got to be the change that we want to see in other people. We've got to be that first. We've got to build the bridges. We've got to fill in the gap. We've got to choose not to be offended with someone who's ignorant of what God wants them to do and ignorant of God's plan and purpose for their life. We can't let that uh, bring an offense to us where we treat them or everyone like them in a different way and say, well, you can't trust them or they're going to do this. No, 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 no. Each man on their own conduct and character. That's what the Word of God tells us to do. A tree will bear its fruit. 
Not its leaves, not its bark. Its branches, the tree itself, will bear its fruit. Look at the fruit of an individual. Be careful. Be careful. Practice this. This is a hard This is a hard one, guys. I'm not trying to beat anyone up with it, and I'm preaching to myself as well. I tell you, love your neighbors. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. I'm encouraging you today. Seek the Lord your God and how he would have you to handle the situations you're going through today. Look to the Word of God. Don't look to media. Don't look to those who are trying to stir up the pot. Those who are race-baiting, who are trying to drive division. Don't, don't turn to that. Don't look at the differences. Yes, there are some people in this world that God needs to deal with and deal with them quickly. Ah, believe that. Well, let that be your prayer. And for those who, what is the best revenge then to someone to give their life to the Lord and come humbly to you and repent? Uh, pronounce in public how they're sorry and what God has done to them and, and, and brought them to that place of uh, conviction and repentance. Lastly, I just want to say it one more time. We've got to be the change. There are things that we can do, and I'll discuss that if you tune in on Wednesday nights, and we'll we'll discuss those things. Action plans, because I can't just sit here and preach about it. I got to be about it. I can't just talk about it. I got to take action. See, I can. And, and here's the thing: I'm not the most cunning linguist or the most uh, eloquent orator that's out there. People can say a lot of good things, but where? What are they doing? How are they reaching across the aisle? How are they? Uh, reaching across the tracks with their own time, effort, energy, and resources. It can't just be lip service. We gotta put it into action. That will take some work. It's gotta go against many of your paradigms. It may even go against what you were taught and how you were raised. You might have been told to be leery of other people. You may have been taught not to trust a certain people group or anything else. But I'm here to tell you, if that's what your daddy and your mommy taught you, then they, I'm sorry, they were wrong. I'm gonna tell you, the Word of God is right. All other voices telling you to the contrary, they're wrong. I'm sorry, I don't mean disrespecting that, but the Word of God is right. Go by the Word of God. And ending this right now, I'm just going to read to you, as been in our custom, until we are over this thing, this COVID, whatever the case is, I want to pray the benediction, and that benediction is this verse, and it's Psalm 91, and I pray that over you this morning. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler snare and the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers under his wing. You will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will fear, you will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plagues that destroy and you day. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. May God bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. 
May he grant you peace and sweet sleep. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you all. I love you, and I can't wait to meet again.